Part of our gospel reading tells us that James and John saw how Jesus was being treated. And they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And as much as I wish to preach about summer drivers in Dallas, Texas, I think we shall turn our attention to Galatians that we heard just a few moments ago. So Paul is writing to this group of people in Galatia trying to help them understand how many different elements must come together in order to have a healthy gathering in the name of Christ. Sort of like a physician who tries to educate a patient about how diet and exercise are important parts of a longer and more robust life. So Paul begins by writing, live by the Spirit, but do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the Spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. Like a great mentor who peers into our lives and spots those critical blind spots that need some kind of remediation. This is Paul looking into the life of those people in Galatia. So the Galatians had apparently hit some kind of a wall. They were doing well, very well, in fact. And then Paul gets word that somehow or another they just got off track. And we can understand this, can't we? We all have had times in our lives when we're doing well in our spiritual life. And then sometimes because we're feeling good about it, right, we begin to let go of some things that help us keep connected to God. This is like the medications we take to treat our health issues. We feel so good that we trick ourselves into thinking we no longer need the very things that keep us level set in our health. And it seems like this is like what was happening to those people in Galatia. They simply stopped paying attention to how the Holy Spirit moves within a people. And once that happened, they began to believe that their slack behaviors had absolutely no effect on their spiritual well-being. They exchanged true freedom found in Christ with a lifestyle that actually began to enslave them. And we see this all the time. People believing nothing they do has any effect on anyone else. They are free to do as they wish because they are individuals, not connected to anyone or any greater group. But this is not freedom. Far from it. Followers can only know freedom when they recognize themselves as a part of a greater whole, where others are also equal and independent and interdependent. See, what the Spirit Equality and interdependence, these are the governors that keep a believer correctly focused on Christ. The Spirit nourishes the love found in a people who understand and are guided by these facts. It would be easy to simply list the naughty bits that people do when their purpose is clouded. The list is right there in Paul's letter. And he says they're obvious, fornication, which is a big one with Paul. 
impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, anger, the list goes on for some time. And Paul views these works of the flesh as slave masters to the people of God. He writes, do not use your Christ-given freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. Now, worse than this, it's too easy to list the bad things that other people do or that person in the pew next to you and then look in the mirror and then simply absolve yourself because maybe we only do three out of the 15 listed. Three marks against out of 15 in any good university, that's still a solid C, right? I mean, C plus, that's not bad. You see, followers recognize the destructive power of some of our natural tendencies to allow ourselves anything that we can come up with. And the thing that Paul is writing to the people about, he sees this in them, and these folks are already baptized. It's not like they're heathens. Now, he's not denying that these works of the flesh can't be found in true believers. Of course they can. Everybody here has probably seen a church fighting with itself or know people who've left a church because they couldn't have their own way about something. You know, we can fix our own minds on a smallish portion of the community and forget to realize that it's the leadership who makes decisions for the good of the whole. You see, leadership sits at a different position. They see a larger picture. Perhaps they know of pastoral needs and wants that might mitigate what seems obvious for the direction of a community. That, get lo that gets lost whenever we want what we want. Church leadership is complicated, and this is precisely what's going on in Galatia. You see, in his own way, Paul is encouraging church members to come to their senses, begging them to give up these behaviors that are not consonant with a life of the Spirit, so that the Spirit can bring something better. I mean, after all, Jesus did give Himself for us so that something better could be born into God's people. Live by the Spirit, and the life one lives will be transformed. And with that, the whole community of people will be transformed. You see, there's kind of an order of operations to all of this. The Spirit first must dwell richly in the individual because this is where the front line lies within each one of us to submit to the Spirit, keeping this communication line to God free and clear. And it's then that the Spirit-filled people come together and then where two or three are gathered. There lies the amazing power for transformation, for kingdom. It seems simple, but living as a Christian is difficult. 
to be part of a people of faith where people know you. And the big one is for you to allow the community into your life, to allow others to know the real you, not the mask, the real you. It's there that Christ's love with others provides us this greatest freedom from Paul's naughty list of elements that destroy a person. Freedom to live into the person we were designed to be by our Maker, Almighty God. And so here's the thing, we can put all of these elements of a Spirit-filled life on our website and on our business cards, and they're there to be found, sure enough. We can put them on all sorts of advertising. We can brand our social media and our flat screens here at the church, but it would do no good. This part of the people of God, what we are talking about, is too intimate to be bundled together and just propagated out over the Internet. It's one of those things that mostly has to be caught rather than taught. And I think there's some wisdom in that for a people of God. We need people to taste and see, to come and live in this community. And then we begin to see how it impacts the lives of those whom we truly love. Believers right around the world endeavor to engage Christ's hard-won freedoms for us. We seek the grace to be found in the checks and balances of the Christian life. We desire to receive the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control. Not because they are the ends in of themselves. We go further than that. We want these elements so we continue to grow as a people of God, helping to free other people from the slavery of human appetites, run riot, and return ourselves to the love of God. So these are deep words from Paul. And so what I'd ask is that maybe sometime this week you take your readings with you and you open them again. And first of all, just kind of mentally list in your head your freedoms and give thanks. Give thanks for them. Give thanks for the brain power that God gave you and how you're using it and how you're affecting the world. Give thanks for all of that. But also be self-reflective. See how those freedoms may be misused, might get us off track as a community of God, and just be cognizant of that. The life of a believer is a reflective life, a self-reflective life. That's how we keep ourselves between the rails. So find some time this week. Be with God. Read the readings again. Take an inventory. Give thanks. And ask for God's help.